This is The Guardian. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Can you think of anything worse than swimming in sewage? Looking down and when you're up to here and you've just got poo floating around you is is really not very pleasant. Um, It makes you feel quite sick. Here in the UK, it's not that difficult to imagine. Water companies have been pumping raw sewage into UK waterways at incredible rates. One single sewage dump last year went on for 5,000 hours. I find it upsetting when we're out and we see condoms, toilet paper and excrement floating in the sea. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's also really bad for the environment, wildlife and us, whether you're a wild swimmer, beachgoer or fish eater. I tend to feel a bit like um, like a bit of a bit of a mild fever, feel a bit sick in your stomach, um, and that can last an afternoon or a couple of days. So why is all this sewage getting pumped into our water? And is there anything we can do about it? From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Helena Horton, you're an environment reporter for The Guardian, and you've been covering this story about raw sewage that's been pouring into UK waters. Any amount is obviously pretty gross but how much sewage are we actually talking about so we haven't got all the figures for this year yet but we have seen um dozens of beaches being shut the south coast has been particularly badly affected this summer and we do know it's going to be absolutely loads of sewage poured in so last year we have the figures for water companies released sewage 25,000 times into designated bathing waters off the english coast so that's just coastal releases in total, so all of the sewage that was released into rivers and the sea was over a period of 2.7 million hours in one year alone. I mean, it's just so shocking hearing those numbers. 
how and why is this happening? What's going on? So our wastewater, which is sewage and other waste that goes, you know, down the toilet, down the drain, and our surface water, which is when it rains and um, you get rain building up on the road, they don't have their own separate systems. And that means that when it rains, surface water goes into the wastewater and it all turns into one horrible sort of like gush of water and sewage and that goes into our waterways. It's supposed to only happen under extreme circumstances when you do have a storm. But actually, they're doing it all the time. And that's partly due to not investing in sewers that kind of match the population growth that we've had. We're talking about it now because it's been a particularly bad summer. And more of us have been going to beaches and rivers in the hot weather and maybe noticing this. But it's not a new problem, is it? No, so it's been happening for decades. So those who um, might remember a few decades ago, we were known as the Dirty Man of Europe. And before we joined the EU, we did have toxic warnings around our beaches. And it was particularly bad. People remember that our seas used to be really smelly and horrible. Things have improved since, but they are still bad and perhaps getting worse. The data for this year isn't out yet. But I would say from the amount of discharges we've seen, it probably is going to look quite bad. Helena, it's not nice even thinking about sewage being pumped into our waterways, but I want to understand the specific risks of this. Starting with wildlife, what kind of effects can raw sewage being in the water have on our fauna and flora? So sewage contains nutrients from our food, like nitrogen and phosphates. And these, when released into our waterways, build up and they cause um, things to grow like algae. So think of the clean river. You can see to the bottom, it's full of fish. The water is flowing healthily. It's sparkling. It's clean. If you've walked next to one of our rivers recently, you might see it's full of thick green sludge and you can't see anything, even if you tried to. Or the water is just murky from all the pollution. This chokes our wildlife. So fish are quite sensitive and they're very sensitive to pH levels are very sensitive to chemical levels and we've seen mass fish die off when they've had a lot of sewage pumped into the water because they can't deal with the change in the water quality and also even if you have only a small amount you end up with less healthy fish. In terms of plants, um, when you get a thick growth of algae on top of the water it shields them from the light so they can't do photosynthesis and they end up dying off so you end up with a river that's just full of algae. Helena, I was actually walking along a river this morning and there was some green, gross, gunky stuff on top. Could that have been the kind of algae bloom that you're talking about? That'll either be algae or it could also be um, floating pennywort, which happens on canals, which is an invasive species. But yeah, if it is gunge and it's not a plant, it'll be algae, yeah. If you saw lots of green gunk on a river or pond, you might be wary of it and you might hesitate before diving in. But saying that lots of people do love to go wild swimming or do water sports and lots of us just love to go for a paddle. So does this algae pose a threat to us as well? Not all algae does, um, but there's a type of algae specifically called blue-green algae, which happens after you get a nutrient overload. And this algae is very toxic. It's toxic to dogs and so much it can kill them. So people walking dogs around areas that have this blue-green algae shouldn't let them near the water, and it can make humans very ill. It can even hospitalise you. And I assume the sewage in of itself also poses a risk to us too. Yes. A study out last week actually showed that surfers have three times the amount of 
antibiotic resistant E. coli in their gut compared to non-surfers. And these are people who come into contact with our seawater quite often. So there's a correlation there. And raw sewage contains E. coli. That's one of the most common things you can get from it. So you can get stomach upsets, sometimes quite severe. And it contains all manner of diseases because it's anything that the person has who obviously it came from could be in the raw sewage. So there's this risk for people who might be surfing or swimming. And as you said, some of the beaches have been closed this summer to to avoid that kind of contact. But there's another kind of way we can come into contact with this, which is the fish that we're eating. I mean, could this make us sick? It's been really badly hitting the seafood industry, actually. So even last year when we did have some bad sewage overflows, um, Whitstable Oyster Festival was ruined in Kent because people got norovirus after eating the seafood there. And while it's not been proven that definitely came from sewage pollution, there is a correlation there. And that is what the fisheries said probably happened. Shellfish like oysters and mussels and clams, they filtrate the water to get their nutrients to eat. The um, contaminated water passes through them and then they can catch the disease. I mean they don't catch it as in get symptoms. The diseased water or the the bacteria the viruses, they can remain in the shellfish. Um, And yes again this year it's been found that sewage has been discharged into the areas where we farm our shellfish so it could decimate our seafood industry if it's not checked. Is this just a problem in the UK? I mean how does our water quality these days compare to elsewhere in Europe and in the world? There are other countries in Europe that have got a better kind of um, record than us on it. We are at the bottom of the league table at the moment. We're in 2020, where it's the last time we have the data for um, in terms of bathing status water quality. In 2020, 17% of our rivers and coastal areas that were given bathing status were of excellent quality. And that compares to about 80% in other countries in Europe. Um, Poland is nearly as bad as ours. They're about 22%. But um, we have to also bear in mind that globally, 80% of wastewater isn't properly treated. So yeah, globally it is a problem, but I think that we could definitely be doing a lot better in the UK. I think this is one question that might be on everyone's minds at the moment. Why is this being allowed to happen? Why hasn't the investment been made? I mean, I can't go and chuck whatever I want into a river why is it that water companies have been getting away with putting so much sewage in them so actually under EU law it's not really allowed to happen so their law is that water companies are only allowed to spill untreated sewage into the waterways under exceptional circumstances so after a big storm or after an exceptional failure of the system however the issue is that undercuts the Environment Agency which happened over the last decade water companies monitor their own sewage spills in this country so in a way they mark their own homework and that means that it's possible for them to cover it up also the investment hasn't happened. Some argue that's partly due to our privatised system. We're one of the only countries in the world with a privatised water system. Even government ministers have said that they want to um, reduce the amount that shareholders get paid and that CEOs get in bonuses if they fail on pollution targets. But actually, ministers don't currently have the powers to do that off what the regulator does, but it hasn't so far. And actually, speaking of off what, you mentioned them in a recent piece of yours where MPs and charities claimed the water companies were being given a licence to leak by the regulator Ofwat. And in response, a spokesperson for Ofwat said that they have been imposing fines and penalties. 
and secured spending commitments totaling over 339 million specifically for failure on leakage. They also said that they'll continue to hold them to account. We'll have to wait and see whether that does actually happen. But I wanted to know, for the sewage that's now already in our waterways, is there anything we can do to fix it? So eventually the nutrients, etc. will break down and they'll be diluted by being in the sea. So there's not too many worries about that, I don't think. I mean, obviously that can still affect ocean life, but it won't be there forever. However, there are certainly some things like wet wipes, microplastics and other waste that goes out with the sewage that will stay in the ocean and not break down. So yeah, definitely in terms of the plastic waste that's flushed down the drain, that is a problem and it can't really be cleaned up at the moment. Well, Helena, that has been disturbing and disgusting, but um, I'm glad that you've come on and told us about it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Helena Horton. We've put a link to all The Guardian's coverage of this story on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. And that's it for today. The producer was me, Madeleine Finley, with additional production by Jackie Wakefield. The sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. And the executive producer was Max Sanderson. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.